0: Spent some time cleaning out uh, mom and dad's house the, yesterday and been down there a few times this week. Mom, mom saved so many things, didn't she? She just held on to, to a lot of things and it's been interesting to go through them. One thing we found was we found a lot of letters. Uh, I found the letter that, that I sent back home to mom and dad my first year you people sent me off to church camp and I didn't like it. Uh, and I've been looking at some of these old letters, and, and it got me to thinking about what we learned in school about writing letters. You remember, I, we, had, we had lessons in school on how we should write letters, and we wrote practice letters, we wrote letters to each other, we would write letters to famous people, I don't know if they actually, I hope they didn't get sent off, uh, but we would learn the parts of the letter, you know, you got your salutation at the top of the letter, dear, whoever dear so and so my dearest so and so you know we we learned how to how to do the salutation and then there's the body of the letter where you say the stuff you want to say and then there's the conclusion at the bottom and you learned how to make that conclusion just right best best wishes and then you put your name at the bottom or sincerely yours and and you know as as we as we grew those 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 conclusions became more and more personal. You know, Sometimes those conclusions said things like with love, or hugs and kisses, or eternally yours. And Sometimes they didn't so much become personal as they became filled with more personality. I was looking on the internet this week and I, I found a list of conclusions to letters. Funny conclusions that people have in their correspondence, whether it's email or a, or a physical letter. Somebody concludes their letters this way. Instead of saying, you know, best wishes or sincerely yours, this one person writes, peace, love, and pogo sticks. Uh, well, that's, that's interesting. That surely means something to them. I like this one better. Love, peace, and chicken grease. I think that's a great way to conclude a letter. I might start using that one. Take care and comb your hair. That's, that's good. Not everybody needs that one, but some people would. Here's one that I've used before. Smell you later. That's a a great conclusion. Like something Amy would do there. Uh, Here's one my dad often used. Glad you got to meet me. Go ahead and laugh. That's that's great. Uh, How about this one? This message will self-destruct in 10 seconds. You may have to be of a certain generation to get that one. Here's one that's a little too honest. Well, I better get off the toilet now. If you're sending an email, that's probably fine. If you're actually writing a letter, please don't. Don't do that one. And a friend of mine would end her emails with the words, tag, you're it. And I always liked that. Tag, you're it. Because it said that the, the conversation isn't done and it's up to you to keep the conversation going. Well, we're, we come to the end of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and I have to confess... When it comes to Paul's conclusions, I usually just look right by them. I mean, I I don't pay any attention to what Paul writes in his conclusions. I've always treated them as though they're unimportant. And and admittedly, what we realize when we read those conclusions is it's not about us. It's not about you and me. It's not written to us. And in fact, there's names often that we don't know. We don't know who these people were. And, And it's a reminder that very often when we read Scripture, especially when we read the letters... We're reading someone else's mail. When we come to Scripture, we we're reading somebody else's mail. And yet, just as it is with the rest of the letter to the Ephesians, there is something here for us. If we dig in, we will find blessings. And so we're going to look at Paul's conclusion today in Ephesians 6, 21 through 24. Again, in those one last time in those blue Bibles in front of you. It's page 979. And again, if you have your 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 uh, phone with you, and you've got the U Version app. I've got all of the notes up there, all the scriptures, because we're not going to stay just in Ephesians. It's all available to you on the U Version app. But here's how Paul concludes this letter, beginning in verse 21. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, <laughs> doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Paul mentions Tychicus. And Tychicus was was a friend of Paul's. Tychicus carried his letters. In fact, If you look at the end of Colossians, it's practically the same ending. He says, Tychicus, the dear brother and the faithful minister, will tell you everything. Uh, He says, uh, uh, well, it's possible that Tychicus was actually from Ephesus. We don't know for sure. But at the very least, he seems to have had a relationship with this church and with these people. And if you notice there in verse 21, "...so that you may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything." And I read that and I think, well, what did you just tell us, Paul? We just spent ten, or, we just spent six chapters reading what you told us here in Ephesus, but now Tychicus is going to tell us everything? Tychicus is going to tell them how you're doing and, and what you're doing? You know, that, that's, that's typical. We don't tell everybody everything, do we? We don't share directly our own needs with everybody. Sometimes we play things Close to the vest, and and that's okay. Sometimes we need to. But sometimes also we admit, we have to realize that our view of ourselves is skewed. Sometimes we see ourselves as doing a little bit better than we really are. Sometimes we see ourselves as doing a little bit worse than we really are. And so we need the perspective of someone else. Paul needed Tychicus to come in to Ephesus and say, here's what's really happening, here's how Paul's really feeling, here's how it's really going. We need those relationships where we can be honest with each other. The other day I stopped in to visit a friend of mine and I hadn't seen him in a long time. All I'd really seen lately was Facebook posts and and I knew he was going through some tough stuff but according to the Facebook posts things were going really well and everything looks very positive and very encouraging but when we talked face to face I could see it was otherwise. I could see that Things weren't going as well as he lets on on Facebook. But that's that's the way we do it. We don't always tell everybody everything, and, and that's certainly fine. Not everybody needs to know all of our business, but there needs to be somebody in your life who knows how you really are. Someone who can ask those hard questions and listen to those difficult things. We should all strive to not only have someone in our life like that, we need to strive to be that for someone else. We need to have those kind of relationships. In all of our relationships, we should bring something of the life of Jesus to others. And so in Paul's final words here, we can learn something about the kind of relationships that we need in our lives and the kind of relationships we should provide for other people. And in fact, we all need relationships that encourage. We all need relationships that encourage. He says again in verse 22, uh, he says of Tychicus, I have sent him, Tychicus, to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that He may encourage your hearts. I I love the intention in that statement. For this very purpose. Encouragement requires purpose. Encouragement isn't something we just stumble into. It isn't something we just are supposed to do occasionally or, or something that once in a while we offer. Encouragement should be purposeful it's part of the way we care for others i find myself wanting to be more and more encouraging to other people i find myself wanting to to say encouraging things to to say things that build other people up and i realize part of the reason why i want to do that is because i've been blessed by having so many encouraging people in my life i've been blessed by the encouragement of others back in july I was working on that final paper, you know, for my master's degree. And I opened up a book that I hadn't opened in about a year, and two cards fell out of it. And I immediately recognized what they were. They were from some of you, two cards from some of you. They were those cards that Shirley made for us last summer. You remember we were going through the fruit of the Spirit? And Shirley made these cards that had the letters, I see in you, and then one of the fruit of the Spirit. So it was, I see in you, love. I see in you, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I think I got them all. And both of these cards from two people in this church, both of them said, I see in you something that I don't ever see in in myself. Both of them said, I see in you, patience. And you had very kind things to say about the way Trish and I take care of Connor, the patience that we have to have for that. You had very kind things to say about the way I minister and, and the, way that I do, the way that I serve here and the way that I, that I care for other people. And, and it meant an awful lot to me. And I have to tell you, I know you sent those cards a year ago. I needed them that day. I needed them that day I found them. And, and I promise I won't lose them again. Uh, I have put them somewhere where I can go back to them at exactly the moment when I need them. But I needed the, those cards that day. They meant the world to me to find them right then. You hear that kind of purpose in what Paul says of Tychicus. I am sending him to you that he might encourage your hearts. He uses that same phrase also in Colossians. In Colossians 2, verse 2, Paul prays uh, for the Colossians that their hearts might be encouraged and that they might be knit together in love. And you know what? You don't get one without the other. You don't get encouragement from other people without also being knit together in love. You you don't get the encouragement without that. Relationships bring encouragement, or at least they should. We should bring that for each other. We read the word encouragement an awful lot in Scripture. I think we think we know what it means, but it, it's such a big word. It can mean many things. We talk about encouragement, and we could talk about cheering someone up. Someone's had a bad day, and we're going to encourage them, and that, that's encouragement. We also talk about encouragement as consoling someone. and the, the word encourage literally means to put your arm around somebody and walk with them, to, to walk with them through whatever they're going through, whether that's a moment of joy or a moment of sadness. Encouragement can mean to console or to comfort. I think about the church in in Evansville today, there's going to be an awful lot of encouragement in the form of consolation, in the form of of caring for one another through a really big hurt there today. Encouragement can also mean persuade. In chapter 4 of Ephesians, verse 1, Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called and the word urge there is the word encouragement. We've just translated it differently. You know, sometimes encouragement is a warm hug. Sometimes encouragement is a swift kick in the pants, right? Sometimes it's an it's an urging. Sometimes it's a it's an opportunity to get somebody back on the right path, pointing them towards Jesus. And encouragement ties in really well with what Paul has written all through this letter to the Ephesians and and back in chapter 4 verse 29, Paul said, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So do the words that we choose, the words that we use with each other, do those words build each other up or are we more likely trying to tear someone down? And if we do occasionally need to encourage someone with with a swift kick in the pants, do we know that we're pointing them in the right direction? Do they know that it's because we are knit together in love? We need relationships that encourage. We need to offer relationships that encourage. We also need relationships that bless. Relationships that bless. Bless is a word that we toss around without really thinking about it, we we might say that someone is a blessing, or, or we might say that I've been blessed, or we might say, bless your heart, you know, or bless their hearts. But I think what we need to understand, when we're offering a blessing to someone, we're offering something that's more than just ourselves, more than what we can do on our own. We're going beyond ourselves, and we're wanting to bring something of Jesus into the conversation and into the relationship. And that's what you hear Paul offering to his friends in Ephesus in verse 23, He says, peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I think it's beautiful to consider that this verse isn't just part of the conclusion to this to this letter. This verse is a prayer. And I wonder if we've ever stopped and thought about how many times our prayers are just part of our conversation. It's not that we stopped and closed our eyes and and put our hands together. But in our conversation, we've said blessings. And when we bless someone, that becomes a prayer. And through our conversation, through our encouragement, through our blessings, our, our words become prayer because you're seeking God's very best for the other person. Paul says, peace to the brothers and the sisters. That's how the Greek language worked. They were all lumped together. They just said brothers, but they knew that's what they that they meant. Brothers and sisters. Peace has been an important part of this whole letter also, just like encouragement. In chapter 4, verse 3, Paul encourages them to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. In chapter 6, where he talked about the armor of the Christian, he talked about your shoes fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, he said of Jesus, He Himself is our peace. And so when Paul says peace to you in a very real way, he's saying Christ to you, Jesus to you. He wanted them to experience Jesus' presence in a more full and rich way. And then he says love with faith. Not love and faith. Love with faith. He connects them together with the word with. That the way you love someone else should produce more greater faith in their lives. I don't have to stand here and tell you you ought to love other people. I mean, you you get that. If you're here, you get that as a Christian, you you ought to love other people. You ought to love each other. But one thing we should ask is, what does our love produce? Is our love producing something greater in that person's life? That, That requires more than just love on the surface. I love our hugs on Sunday morning, but... But that kind of love requires more than a hug. I love the cards and the encouragement that we get for each other, but it requires more than just a card or encouragement. Those things are important, but this kind of love, love with faith, requires an investment of your time with that person. It requires an investment of your life. It it means sitting down and and sharing a meal or, or sharing a cup of coffee with that person, being there when someone is hurting. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to love with faith? Verse 21, again, he referred to Tychicus as beloved brother. In Colossians, he referred to Tychicus as beloved brother. This seems to have been a special recognition in in Tychicus's life, that he was a beloved brother. And I wonder, hearing that, who's your beloved brother? Who's your beloved sister? Who is someone in your life that you trust? Someone that blesses you? Someone who brings more than advice? Someone who who brings Jesus. We all need somebody like that in our lives. And, and if, there, if there isn't someone like that in your life, I have to ask, are you that for someone else? How invested are you in the life of other people? How, how invested are you in the life of the church? What is, what is the chance that you are someone else's beloved brother or sister? And Paul goes on, what, what have you brought to your relationships that goes beyond simply the time you spend with others. And then, his conclusion here, Paul shows us what it means to have relationships that bring eternity now. Look at that last verse. Relationships that bring eternity now. Verse 24 says, Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus with love incorruptible. Now there's a good chance your Bible says something different. If you're not reading from the same translation I'm reading, there's a good chance that your Bible says something different because it's a complicated phrase. Those two words, love incorruptible, they never appear together in the Bible anywhere else. And so we kind of have to take our best guess at what Paul's getting at here. It's hard to interpret. If you've got a King James Bible with you, the King James says, Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Right? That's a beautiful way to put it. If you've got the New Living Translation, the NLT, it says, May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what those words, how they're translated in your Bible, what Paul is trying to show us, what he wants us to know is that you have an endless supply of God's grace, and you have that right now. You know, Paul knew that that was something that the people in Ephesus needed to hear. All through this letter, there have been issues of what you're bringing to the relationships that you have. Back again in chapter 4, verses 31 and 32, he says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And we know that there's times when we can say and do some very evil things. And there are times, there are days when when we all feel hopeless, we all feel helpless. There's days when we stop and ask those questions, am I really saved? Or have I just screwed this up way too much? Last week we looked at Ephesians 6 with the armor that God has given us to prepare for battle. And and it's an exciting passage. It's a passage that fills our imagination and, and fills us with possibilities. But I think it can also make us wonder about the possibility of failure. What if? That passage says that we are to to take our stand. But what if I can't stand? What What if I don't stand? What if the battle is too much? What if I give in to temptation? What if I fail? What if the pain of this trial that I'm going through right now is just too much and I don't have what it takes to stand? What if I use up all of God's grace for me? But that's not how grace works. Grace is eternal. And the love of Christ is incorruptible. You can't use it up. You can't wear it out. You can't stop God from loving you. Back in verse 12 of chapter 6, there as he's talking about the armor and the battle we're in, in verse 12, Paul writes, "...for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places." He reminds us that the, the battle is, is very real, and there's going to be times when you feel it, when you know that you're wrestling with something huge, but in Colossians, he uses almost the same words. Colossians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14, he says, "Of God, He has delivered us. He has already delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption." the forgiveness of sins. Every battle that wears you out, every time you're reminded of your own weakness, every time you think, I just can't keep going on like this, Jesus has already given you the victory. Jesus gave you the victory when He said the words, it's finished, it's over, it's done. And the grace that we bring to our relationships, the grace that we speak to each other, the grace that we show each other, it ought to remind each other of that victory it ought to remind each other of what we've what we've received already i titled this series living as light in a world of shadows because that's what paul is telling us all the way through this letter he's telling us that that there is darkness in this world paul saw that darkness in ephesus and And we see it in our world. We see it in our community. We see it in our nation. We see it everywhere. We see that darkness. We see people who are trapped in darkness in our own lives. We see people who are trapped in darkness with debt, trapped in darkness of of depression, trapped in darkness of addiction, or, or, or someone that they love that's going through addiction. And for so many in our lives, and so many people in our community, they see no way out. They see no answer. They see no light. But they see you. And they know... You and they should see the light that God has given you. Back in chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, Paul said, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And so, as we finish with Ephesians, I want to remind you to never stop asking the question. What is the best use of my time? What is the best way to bring light into the life of other people? Can I go beyond myself? Can I go beyond who I am and what I have? And can I show them Jesus? Can you stand with me? We're going to pray in just a minute. We've, We've repeated this prayer many times through this series. And just because we're done with Ephesians, I don't think we ought to be done with this prayer either. Because I know that God can do far more abundantly than all that we can ask, all that we can imagine, all that we can think, than all that we can do on our own, and even than all that we can do together. And so let's pray this prayer and let's see what He can do with us. Pray these words with me. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church And in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And go in peace.